You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine, doing the airplane or something today. I don't know how the airplane fits with our intro music, but hey, it is what it is. James Rapine has done his daily dance today. We're going to dig into Joe Burrow's first appearance of the 2021 season, his first appearance coming off that ACL injury, and, well, his first appearance on the Bengals' weekly injury report as well. And later on in the show, we're joined by Locked On Bears host Lauren Cox. We're going to get our first look at the Chicago Bears for the week before our game preview coming your way on Thursday. Your daily reminder, if you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, hit the thumbs up. Those things both really help us and help you keep informed whenever we upload a new video. If you're listening on an audio only platform, please follow the podcast. You'll get it automatically delivered to your device and it couldn't be more convenient for you to get your daily news on the Cincinnati Bengals. Without further ado, James, before we get into the news of the day, the Ricardo Allen injury and the roster moves and all these things, let's talk Joe Burrow. He was listed as a estimated full participant in practice because the Bengals did two walkthroughs on Wednesday instead of a full practice, which means they only list guys as this is what they would do if it was a full practice. Zach Taylor says this is because they played in some heat. T. Higgins, well-documented, had hydration issues, had to go to the locker room to get an IV, so certainly could be something there they they want to give the guys a chance to recover and be going into this weekend as healthy as possible the only real injury news as we'll talk about later is ricardo allen but joe burrow showing up on the injury report with not an ankle which he told you about in his post-game press conference but a knee and he says the knee's fine and he says that you know the bengals say that he would have been a full participant but not what you want to see after week one joe burrow showing up at all and especially with a knee injury. Why are you lying, Joe? Why you got to lie to me? I was trying to tell the good locked on Bengals listeners the truth and, uh, you know, my readers at all Bengals, and, and you're going to sit up there and just lie straight to my face. I said, is it the ankle? I, in, yep. No, the hell it wasn't because it would say ankle on that injury report. And I know it says full participant. And I saw Joe throwing on Wednesday and he threw pretty damn well. So I think he's probably fine, but dang it. I, you could have said knee and you could have said, but I'm fine. It was just a scare. But then that creates headlines, I guess. So maybe it was the right uh, path for Joe to lie to, to myself, right? Because outside of us talking about it on here, no one else is really going to talk about Joe Burrow lying to James Rapine. So, uh, look, I, I'm not really concerned about this, but the, the concern is the amount of hits he took, right? And, and so that's something we're going to just continue to talk about and hopefully – was kind of a one-off where he got hit more than I think we realized, certainly based on those pass attempts. But it, it is good to see him listed as a potential full participant. I do believe he would have been a full participant. And we'll see on Thursday officially when I'm at practice. Because here's the other thing, Jake. They're only going to have one real practice this week. Friday isn't a real practice. Friday is a walkthrough. It's not like they do much Friday anyway. So uh, unless it got a little more uh, physical in, in it's not like they were wearing pads or anything on Wednesday, one real practice, bef- uh, you know, after that five quarter game, essentially, and before their uh, week two matchup against the bears. 
Yeah, that's a good point. There will be only one chance for them to have yeah. a full a full go at it, but not the end of the world, I'd say. And and here's the thing. I do believe Joe when he says he's okay. I I mean, he, he clearly tweaked something, but what could have very well happened is, you know, he's wearing that brace. The, the brace is very mm-hmm. stiff. It's there to not let your knee go side to side, but he got rolled up a little bit on that Daniil Hunter sack. And maybe the brace pushed into his knee awkwardly. Maybe it was a scare. Maybe he got pinched a little bit by the brace, right? And it was really uncomfortable. And it's nothing structural. It's nothing long-term. He said he was fine after the game. He says he's fine today. So, I mean, I'm inclined to believe the guy, but he did tell you it was an ankle. And, you know, let's hope. Let's hope that Mike Florio doesn't run with this and (laughs) put a headline out there because, uh, you know, that certainly is track record lately, but go ahead. The Bengals are forcing Joe to play yeah. and they made him say it was an ankle. Anyway, go ahead. Yep. Yep. Looking forward to that one, Mike. So anyway, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about his game on, yeah. on Sunday because we haven't talked very much about his return to action outside of, you know, the deep ball to Jamar chase, which was great. And the, the throw to Tyler Boyd on the sideline that preceded the touchdown pass to Jamar Chase, which is also great. Uh, and, and the reason that I want to do this, well, there's a couple of reasons. One of them is the guy's coming off an ACL, major knee surgery, and it makes sense to track his progress, right? This is a franchise quarterback. Let's do progress reports. Let's see how he does from week to week. The Bengals game plan clearly hid him in a lot of ways. They leaned on the run more than they probably will in 10 weeks, at least I, I hope uh, because their neutral game plan to run the ball more almost bit them in the butt. It, it almost got him. And that process isn't going to work all year, even if you do have two touchdown leads in the second half. So the other reason is PFF Seth tweeted something that Bengals fans hated. And he's like, Oh, Joe Burrow had his worst game in the last two years and all this stuff. And and one, that's not true. We all watched him play Baltimore and struggle and play Pittsburgh and struggle in his rookie year. But the other thing is, why would PFF Seth, who I almost guarantee you has watched the All-22 before he says something like that, why would he say that about Joe Burrow's performance? And there were some things that, you know, we could talk about. We You, you can nitpick, but let's start out with the positives. Obviously, we talked about the deep ball was really good. We talked about the Tyler Boyd throw. I think that his process was generally really good. And one thing that we forgot to talk with Mike about yesterday with Bengal Sands is he utilized the hard count extremely well to get the Vikings to tip their hand in a couple of cases and take advantage of it. He used a quick count on the touchdown to T Higgins. And you can see all the details about those things in Mike's article, but that's a really good point. And you know, that doesn't even count getting the Vikings off sides and getting that pass interference play to T Higgins. So those things were all really good, but I can see where Seth is coming from in terms of accuracy issues, like decision-making mostly fine. He, he had the bad decision to go to, uh, to throw to Mackenzie Alexander. The Bengals got lucky. Tyler Boyd ends up catching that ball, but there were some accuracy issues in the game. The ball was behind a little bit more than you're used to seeing from Joe Burrow. There's a, a couple plays to Jamar Chase that stand out in this regard. There's a play to Joe Mixon that stands out in this regard. They can still catch those footballs, but not ideal. And then there were some overthrows. The overthrow of T. Higgins in the middle of the field that let Xavier Woods come in and break it up. Overthrow of Tyler Boyd on a quick out early in the game on the sideline. So his accuracy is what we're used to. 
I would say that his athleticism isn't quite what we're used to, but this is to be expected to a large degree. And I think that overall, I'm more encouraged than discouraged and think that he will get back to that pre-injury level, even if we didn't see all of that in game one. It's fair to say that. Yeah, we didn't see it all. We didn't see the full bag in week one. We saw flashes of it. But let's be honest. It felt like, and this might be being a little over the top, but they they kind of eased him in. I was going to say babied him, so it's not over the top. They eased him in at the start of the game, and they eased him out at the end of the game. And I wonder how much it has to do with the knee and how much it has to do with that, you, you know, the, the game plan or him getting, you know, rolled up on or what. But last year that wouldn't have been the case. And they would have thrown it more because that's how, you know, that's how they win. And I think that's how they're going to win if they're going to win this year, by the way. I don't think the the recipe for the Bengals winning 10 games is 29 Joe Mixon carries a week. I, I don't. And, and I'm not saying it's Joe Mixon's fault. I just think this offense is better when you have a guy that's pushing the ball down the field and doing what, Burrow can do the other Joe in making plays, but they're, they're probably going to have to do that Jake where they ease him into this year. And by mid year, much like it was mid game on Monday or on Sunday, right before the end of the uh, the half right there in the first half, what happened? Kind of unleashed him. And I think at some point he'll get there. I don't necessarily think it's going to be this week against Chicago. Not that he's going to play bad, but I think he may throw it 30 times or less. And that might be the game plan early on in this season. Maybe not. Maybe he goes out there and throws it 45 times against the Bears, if that's what the game script says. Uh, But if they can do what they did on Sunday against the Vikings, then I I think that they're going to ease him back into things a bit. And you're right. There were some missed throws. I mean, the throw to Mike Thomas, it was actually closer Mm. when I went back and watched. But I expect Joe Burrow to make that throw. And they scored anyways. But that's a throw Joe makes. And he knows it. So it's not like we got to say it. But th- those are the type of things that if they're going to reach their full potential, uh, he's going to have to do and he's going to have to make and, and he's going to have to be the best player on offense. And, and I certainly think he's capable of doing that. They may, though, rely on the other Joe early on this season, Joe Mixon, like we saw on Sunday against uh, against the Vikings. And it's OK if you're going to take the shot plays off of it and execute the shot plays off of it. And it's OK if you're going to close the game out that way, but you can't be afraid to throw the shot plays in. And, and, you know, I've said it four times now. There's opportunities in that second half where one more shot play, I think, could have sealed the game. And and instead, they didn't do it. Or, or they missed him because they did have the one other miss to Jamar Chase uh, where he throws it out of bounds. And so, you know, it wasn't perfect, but it was pretty good. And we'll keep an eye on his accuracy week to week and his process week to week as the season goes on. And they have another tough defensive line matchup coming in the Bears, which we'll get into in a little bit. But first... Let's talk Rock Auto, rockauto.com, the auto parts online supplier that we've been talking about on the Lockdown Bengals podcast for feels like years now. They have everything from engine control modules to motor oil or new carpet for your vehicle. So if you're changing your own oil like James does, well, go over to rockauto.com and save some money. Don't get upcharged at the big box store or the car dealership where rockauto.com is going to have reliably low prices for you as a do-it-yourselfer or you if you're a professional mechanic listening to Locked On Bengals. So go check out rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car truck. Make sure you write a Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. 
All right, everyone. I want you to not stop what you're doing, especially if you're driving. Don't just stop. But if you're not driving or maybe you're watching us on YouTube, on your TV, we'll, we'll thank you for that. And after you're done with Locked on Bengals or if you have a device free, I want you to go to RivertownInquiry.com. Because if you're watching this podcast or listening to us right now on any of the podcast platforms, you like the Bengals. You like Cincinnati. And if you like the Bengals and you like Cincinnati, you're going to like Rivertown Inquiry in apparel. I love this place. They were established in 2013, and they make the best shirts. You're talking about, yeah, maybe you want a Bengals shirt, right? Or maybe you want something that isn't football-related but says Cincy on it or a coffee mug or – a glass. Well, they have all of that and so much more. It's high quality. It's Cincinnati. It's you. So check them out right now at rivertowninquiry.com or you could stop by in person, which I did last week. They're located in the heart of Oakley, just 10 minutes from Paul Brown Stadium at 3096 Madison Road. They're open Tuesday through Friday, 10 to 6, 10 to 5 Saturday, 11 to 4 Sunday. Don't delay. Stop wasting money on dingy shirts and crappy apparel when you can get high-quality gear from Rivertown Inquiry and apparel. Go to RivertownInquiry.com right now. Shop online with code LOCKEDON10, and you're going to get 10% off your order. Again, promo code LOCKEDON10 at RivertownInquiry.com. Love our friends at Rivertown Inquiry. Can't wait. Got to be one of my first stops. I know uh, our, our old friend, old friend of the show, old co-host of the show, Joe Goodberry is going to be stopping by as well. Really excited to see their inventory in person and really get into all those great offerings you just talked about. James, let's get back to the Bengals. The first injury report of the week is out. Zach Taylor also had his press conference on Wednesday. We talked about the Joe Burrow appearance on the injury report with that knee injury as a full participant in practice and the estimated walkthrough practice of Bengals held on Wednesday. But the big news is, is uh, Ricardo Allen goes to IR. He has a broken something in his hand and he's got a hamstring strain. So he'll work on both of those things for at least three (sighs) weeks. And he was injured in the preseason and unfortunately has been injured again here in week one, Zach Taylor confirming that the injuries did occur in the game against the Vikings. And, You would think, oh, Ricardo Allen, backup safety, who cares? They'll be fine. Well, I mean, not just a depth issue here, though, is the problem. Ricardo Allen played, we talked about this, 21 snaps against the Minnesota Vikings in week one. And and not only that, PFF had him as the highest graded player on defense. Now, I haven't been able to go back, and I was going to single out Ricardo Allen. I wanted to go back on the All-22 and watch in detail. When was he getting used? How was he getting used? I'm pretty sure that the, the idea was that it would free Jesse Bates to walk down into the box and man up, you know, a tight end if he needed to, or free Von Bell to f- go into the box and let them play too high and keep three safeties on the field. It gave them flexibility. And so they will lose that. I think it'll be interesting to see how they adapt. This is, this is the interesting part. Do they continue to run three safeties out there? Darius Phillips got some run as a third safety in preseason. He's also on the injury report, by the way, with a thigh injury, he's limited on Wednesday, uh, or will it be a Trayvon Henderson call-up? Will it be a Brandon Wilson appearance on defense? Or will they, they, do they scrap the three-safety thing and say, you know what, we'll put Akeem Davis-Gaither out there and roll with our athletic, he is athletic, our, our athletic line. He is athletic, yeah. <laughs> he is athletic and how effective, you know, you could debate that, but he's a freak. I mean, he's 
he's a, a crazy athlete. You just see him on the practice field. But yeah, it is a question and it sucks. I'll be honest. I was excited to see this three safety look, especially against the team like the Bears, because in in we'll ask Lauren Cox this next segment, but I'll go ahead and break the news. I think we're going to see a lot of Justin Fields this weekend. I'm not say, saying he's going to start. I, I do. I think they're going to try to run him. I think they're going to get him in different packages. And he's just really hard to prepare for because we haven't seen a lot of them. And, and and so that's the part of it where it's tough. Like to me, well, say it out loud. Would you rather just face Andy Dalton straight up? Or is it more of a threat if if there's this Justin Fields package or two that we don't, haven't really seen much of? I know he scored a touchdown last week, but we hadn't seen much of him. Uh, where they they unroll you know roll that out mid first quarter, and and so to me, I would love to have the third safety and, and love to have Von Bell roaming in the box there, his hard hitting physical style, and, and so now that's maybe not going to happen as much, and you know may, maybe I'd be shocked at this, but they did sign Sean Davis to the practice squad. I think yeah. he's more of a, a week three type thing against uh, the Steelers. He comes from Pittsburgh, by the way. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it is it is a loss. It might not seem like a significant one, but it, it is a, a hurdle. Not the hurdle, but a hurdle. Here, here's why I think you just put Akeem Davis Gaither on the field this week. It's the, the Bears don't threaten you vertically the way the Vikings do. And so you can be much more comfortable to go single high. You don't need to keep the three safeties on the field. Put Von Bell and Akeem Davis Gaither in the box when Justin Fields gets on the field and see if they're going to take a shot with him. I mean, maybe they will, right? Like this is something they didn't show in week one when he was on the field. It was like read option. It was single read quick stuff. You and I would sure, but the bears don't (laughs) seem interested in like highly utilizing Justin Fields at this point in the season. Andy Dalton did his press conference today. The starting quarterback press conference was Andy Dalton. So if you thought that there was going to be a starter change this week, well, Andy Dalton did his press conference on Wednesday in Chicago. And I'm talking to it would not just me, but the, the Bengals media, we're talking to Andy Dalton tomorrow on Thursday. So we'll uh, we'll pick his brain a little bit. But yeah, it's just to me, say it out loud. Who's scarier now? He may have a, a lower floor, maybe, you know, as in he, Justin Fields. But he's certainly scarier to me if I'm the Bengals than an Andy Dalton, you know, a, a guy who's not going to push the ball down the field. And here's the thing is the Bengals. It, the one thing I'm thinking they'll be able to do this week is get pressure on the interior like they did last week. And, uh, you know, they, they're having tackle issues in Chicago right now. So it, you might uh, you might have a really, really flustered Andy Dalton. Well, this is, why, this is why the Bears aren't playing Justin Fields. Like, you look at the Bengals' first four opponents, they might all have a worse offensive line than the Bengals. And the Bears just lost another tackle. Larry Borum didn't practice on Wednesday. He, he turned his ankle after he came in for Jason Peters, who's limited with the quad. And they're already the replacements to tackle, and they already let Charles Leno go. We talked about this yesterday, right? So serious issues at the tackle. It's not like they're much better inside where James Daniels might be the only competent interior lineman. We'll we'll talk to Lauren about this, but there have got to be some serious concerns on that Bears offensive line. And I think that's a big reason they're not playing Justin Fields because, you know, think, think back to last year. Hey, don't play Joe Burrow until you fix the offensive line. Why doesn't that apply to Chicago? The, the, the same, why are people screaming, hey, why are, you, why are you throwing Justin Fields of the Wolves when, when you got this offensive line? I mean, look at what happened to Lamar with how the Ravens offensive line played terribly on Monday night. He got destroyed that whole game and ended up fumbling the game away. 
And, you know, if you think Justin Fields is as good as Lamar Jackson, as athletic as Lamar Jackson, has some similarities in play style, I mean, it doesn't save you is a point I'm trying to make. So uh, it'll be interesting to see that for sure. But that is uh, all the news. The only other note we didn't hit here, Trent Irwin called up to the active roster for now. And we'll see if he gets an opportunity to return punts in case they want Darius Phillips to play a little bit more on defense. Up next, we're joined by Lauren Cox from Lockdown Bears for Crossover Thursday. BetOnline.ag is the place to go for all of your sports betting needs. Look, the Bengals, they take on the Chicago Bears, and the line's dropped. It's two and a half on Sunday now at betonline.ag. So hopefully you got in when it was three if you think the Bengals are going to win that game. And even so, I still think the Bengals, you know, obviously have a good shot in that two and a half. Might be free money if Blandy Andy Dalton is playing quarterback for the Chicago Bears. And it's, look, it's not just the Bengals. It's every single NFL team. It's college football teams. Maybe my Bearcats or, you know, Jake Lisko's Northwestern Wildcats or maybe another Big Ten team you've heard of, like the Ohio State Buckeyes. You can check all of that out in one spot, plus prop bets and so much more at betonline.ag. And when you sign up today, use promo code NFL100 to get a 100%. That's right, NFL100. Use that promo code, a 100% welcome bonus. It's free money, baby. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. We're now joined by Lauren Cox from Locked On Bears as we dive into Crossover Thursday. Excited to talk about our old friend, Andy Dalton. This is obviously where the conversation starts. It's at quarterback. Andy Dalton grilled by the Chicago media on Wednesday for his decisions or the design of the offense to not push the ball downfield. You still got Allen Robinson over there, and I know Bears fans like Darnell Mooney as well. I also know Bears fans like uh, that guy from Ohio State. What's his name again? I think it's a, a J name of some sort. But anyway, will we see much of Justin Fields? Will he be out there to take a shot play? Or if we do see him, to what extent do you think the Bears will roll him out in week two? And will it be a similar plan for week one where they're going to try to utilize his legs and utilize him in the quick game? Or are we going to see a shot play from Justin Fields this week? Matt Nagy was asked that exact question about, you know, is, is Justin Fields going to be the key to opening up this offense a little bit more? And he put a big smile on his face and said, I don't know, we'll see. And so it's as, as good of an indication as we can get that probably we're going to see some evolution there. I think last week it was a total of five plays for Justin Fields. And Nagy had said after the game that that was maybe even fewer than they had thought they would. But by the time they got late down the stretch, they were down a couple of scores on the scoreboard and wanted to kind of keep Dalton in the passing game in there and not go as much to fields in some of those situations. So I would expect to see more, assuming the score is a little bit closer down the stretch than what it was against the Rams this past week. I think they're going to still keep it very sort of basic with him. It's it's not the normal offense of dropping back and going through a full progression necessarily. At least that's what we haven't seen yet so far, but he did throw, it was kind of a run pass option. He did a shovel pass as well. And then some more just like regular read option type running plays and did a good job with all those things in very small sample sizes. And I think it's slowly going to grow more and more, especially if Dalton and the offense otherwise aren't able to get things going as well on their own. Lauren, why are they kind of spoon feeding Justin Fields. Is it something with him? Is it the offensive line being as bad as it is, which we'll get to in a second? What is it? Because I got to be honest, I think if I gave the Bengals coaching staff truth serum and it was, are we going to go up against 
Andy Dalton or are we going to, and I asked them, are you going to go up against Justin Fields for 65 plays on Sunday? The, the latter would be much scarier. Bears fans are left feeling the exact same way and left without like a good answer to that question, right? There was a first that thought of like, okay, it was Aaron Donald in week one and you don't want to throw your rookie quarterback out there to necessarily get eaten alive. And the offensive line actually played better than we expected. All, all things considered with the injuries and the opponent they were going against wasn't a complete disaster. And so then it, we're kind of left with the same question, right? You see Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson and some of these other rookie quarterbacks certainly have their, their bumps along the way, but they weren't, it wasn't as though the moment was too big for them or they weren't, you know, completely ready. I mean, those teams are rolling with it because they, they sort of have to. And because they, they, you know, these quarterbacks are good coming out of college and Justin Fields went through progressions at Ohio state ran an NFL offense. that's very similar to the bears offense. There's all these reasons why it should work and it should make sense to have him out of the field. Then they sort of said, well, we want to do the Patrick Mahomes thing and make Andy Dalton our Alex Smith. But that kind of goes out the window when you put Justin Fields on the field and let him play these five snaps. So it's not just that he's sitting watching. He's getting some of those opportunities and he's doing those opportunities well. It doesn't fully add up for everyone. And that's the big frustration point in Chicago. Let's talk about that offensive line a little bit, because on the one hand, on paper, they look like a hot mess. You look at ESPN, you know, pass pro win rate. I think the bears were at 40%, even though, which was like bottom five, I think in week one, unless I'm misremembering that figure. And so you said they weren't so bad in week one is, is part of that because David Montgomery was so effective or are you talking in pass pro? Because David Montgomery suddenly was the most efficient runner in the NFL in week one by those same sort of advanced, you know, EPA metrics. So what's, what's going on with that offensive line? Yeah, so I would say it wasn't as though the Bears won the line of scrimmage, right? I mean, it, it was Aaron Donald and the front. The Rams' front seven is still very strong. I think there was this expectation in Chicago, this fear that like the, the offensive line would be such a disaster that they couldn't do anything they wanted offensively, and it felt like there were enough opportunities where Dalton had time to throw. He he was sacked a few times. He was under pressure sometimes. Like it wasn't wasn't a perfect game by any means, and there was there were challenges along the way, but it wasn't so disruptive that it ruined the Bears game plan. And then you combine that with David Montgomery running really well. The Rams schematically were kind of daring the Bears to run the ball. They didn't load up the box very much. A lot of, you know, two deep safeties and really like one off ball linebacker. And so if Montgomery got through to the second level, he usually was finding some room to run. And so he had a nice individual performance. I thought the offensive line was doing a decent job of at least helping him get through that initial wave. And, and it kind of added up to a, a nice running performance, but they felt far enough behind on the scoreboard that they couldn't really, you know, they couldn't hit that 20, 25 carry mark. Cause it just wasn't going to be the most efficient way to, you know, score points in a hurry. And so then it came down to Dalton and, you know, down the stretch when they needed to throw, then it became a little bit easier for the opposing pass rush to get home and things fell apart a little bit more down the stretch. But again, it was good enough on the offensive line against the Rams front. And so then I think you can build some confidence on that moving forward against other teams that won't have quite an Aaron Donald lining up across from you. Lauren, what is Cincinnati native David Montgomery? How has he changed his game? Because it seems like midway through last year, if you just look at the numbers uh, up until this point, and obviously week one as well, he's had more success. What's different about him, if anything, and why has he been able to, to hit the ground running, so to speak? Well, of course, there's the, the famous graphic from when he was at Iowa State where it said, you know, feet of Saquon Barkley, vision of Le'Veon Bell. And, you know, he's, he's, finally, he's finally living up to the uh, – 
insane hype that came with that picture. No. So last year, halfway through the season, the Bears really changed things up schematically when they turned the play calling over to Bill Lazor, of course, the former Cincinnati Bengals offensive coordinator, uh-huh. now reunited with Andy Dalton in Chicago. Nagy is, again, the play caller, but they've kept some similar things from a schematic standpoint of trying to go into a little bit more of like a stretch zone, outside zone, and run some play action off of that as well. And then didn't do as much of that against the Rams. I think the Rams thing was a little bit more schematic, but he did talk this offseason about how he felt like he got faster. He changed some of his training regimen. I don't know if he exactly lost weight, but gained some muscle. And he had a, a 40-something yard run in the first quarter that the NFL Next Gen Stats said was the fastest David Montgomery had ever run on a run in his career. So like we hear every offseason that players say they got faster. Every, every player says, I got bigger, faster, and stronger this year. But at least I think we have some objective data to show that maybe Montgomery did get just a step or so faster. And he's just running harder and more physical and, and not going down as easily on the first contact. Let's shift gears for a second, talk about this defense before we finish up here, Lauren. The clear strength of the Bears' defense on paper appears to be Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks. If Eddie Goldman plays Eddie Goldman, you said before we started recording that he's very much questionable. You would lean away from him playing right now. Uh, Robert Quinn obviously provides a little bit of juice, but... On paper, you would think Jalen Johnson, Eddie Jackson, Tashawn Gibson maybe would be a solid core for a secondary, but they had issues in week one against Matt Stafford and Sean McVay and the Rams. When you look at this defense and you look at the matchup with the Bengals, where are you the most scared or or where can the Bengals exploit this defense the most? The big thing the Rams had a lot of success on last week was play action. And I mean, some of it was inflated by two busted coverages. And I wouldn't say that the play action caused the coverages to bust. But at the same time, tight ends, especially on crossing routes, were hitting the Bears. Roquan Smith and Alec Ogletree at linebacker both were often finding themselves out of position, wanting to step up and stop that running game. So I'd start there first and foremost. Second of all, you know, deep downfield, it was just like, communication issues between the safeties of, you know, if there's a deep post route that's going to kind of go in between two of them, whose responsibility is that when there's other routes on the other side of the field that one of the safeties has to kind of accompany with? There were some big problems on the back end between your two veterans in the secondary. Like everybody else, your cornerbacks are all in their first or second year. There's not a lot of experience. You might expect some issues there with just seeing new things from opposing offenses that they just haven't been exposed to that much in their career. But it was a big sort of scare for Bears fans that it's it's the nine-year pro and I think Eddie Jackson is fifth or sixth-year pro on the back end that are just out of position and not communicating. They, they just didn't touch a receiver who fell to the ground and he got up and ran into the, the end zone for a touchdown. That It's like day one high school football stuff that you, you know, just, you'd expect these kind of guys to know. So I think there first and foremost, and then the slot is a big question right now. Marquis Christian played there last week and gave up quite a few catches and a couple of touchdowns. They might move Duke Shelley in there. Both of those are names that Bengals fans will have never heard of and Bears fans had barely heard of entering this season. And that's where you see some of the problem there as well. But I think Jalen Johnson, definitely a strength on one side. The safeties are supposed to be a strength and we expect them to eventually get back to being a strength. But right now, big question marks all around. Excited to see Jamar Chase go up against Jalen Johnson this week. See if he can keep it going. Last question, Lauren. How do the Bears win this game? What should scare Cincinnati fans? Because the Bears are favored, right? So so how do the Bears win this game? I think they win this game if 
they stick with, I mean, I, I hate to be the like established the running game guy because analytics say passing is always going to be more important. But with, I think with Andy Dalton and Bengals fans know this, it's, it's so much about supporting cast so much about giving him time to throw, giving him a running game, giving him receivers that are going to make plays with the ball in their hand. And then, you know, defense doing its job there too. So if, if they can get David Montgomery going again and make it so Dalton doesn't have to be a vertical passer, that the short passes can be good enough if they can just run the ball for four five, six yards a clip every time. And then if the defense can just not, not bust coverages, like just do their basic job, right? There, there's a formula there for success. I don't think it's going to be as easy on paper as Bears fans maybe thought it was going to be entering the season, but I, I think the, the pieces are there. Just just run the ball, take care of the football. You don't have to put up – ideally with Dalton, you shouldn't have to put up 35 points. If you can score a couple of touchdowns and maybe a field goal or two, that should be enough if the rest of the Bears supporting cast is up to the standard that they need to be, and certainly they weren't last week. That's Lauren Cox from Locked on Bears. Thanks for the time and thanks for the insight into Andy Dalton's Chicago Bears. That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked on Bengals podcast. Our next episode, a game preview week two in Chicago. Until then, Bengals fans, who day and have a good one. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip up hoodie that used to be navy blue, but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters. Because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike.